I am your father. This is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and you are listening to the Established 1984 podcast, man. I haven't done a podcast in a minute. I'm not going to get too theatrical as it relates to why I haven't done an episode in a while. But this is probably one of the most important episodes that I've ever done. Not because it's related to music, not because it's related to entertainment, but because it's related to something far more important. This podcast is a conversation that was between myself and uh, president of the University of North Florida, uh, John Delaney, um, regarding a lot of events that have taken place at the University of North Florida over the past few months. Um, I had had conversations with President Delaney, um, you know, at uh, um, UNF EWC basketball game, um, and I had... um, I had just kind of had the opportunity to sit down and chat with him uh, briefly in those situations. And I had expressed interest in wanting to talk to him further regarding some of the incidents that had taken place at UNF over the past couple of months. Now, I do sit on the board of directors for the Alumni Association, so I have a personal interest in it. And then also I work uh, with several other really great people um, on the UNF Black Alumni Weekend Committee. So I'm really proud of all of the work that we've been able to accomplish Um, and it just so happened that in the process of he and I, um, talking and initially getting on the phone for what was supposed to just be a conference call, I asked him, would it be okay if I recorded this to be able to pass it along to the minority alumni base? And in doing so, I was like, well, looks like this would probably make sense if I just went ahead and put it on my podcast. So I'm doing that. Not going to get too theatrical going to be one real quick transition and it's going to go straight into my conversation with president Delaney. Um, feel free to provide any feedback that you may have. Um, if you specifically want to know anything about UNF black alumni weekend, it is February 14th through the 18th of this year. Um, we have a variety of programming that you can check out at www.unfblackalumniweekend.com. Um, you we you can catch us on Instagram at UNF Black Alumni Weekend. Uh, we have a Gmail account of the same name, so UNF Black Alumni Weekend at gmail.com. Looking for sponsors, looking for vendors, looking for people who want to participate. Please make sure that if you are interested in coming to any of the events, that you register uh, according to the event that you want to attend. Um, yes, we have multiple events that you would have to register for, depending on what you want to come to. Um, Any of the community service based programs, you definitely have to register because they are at schools like middle schools and and, uh, even at UNF. If you want to participate in the campus tour, um, you need to register for that so that we know how many people will be participating. Um, Looking forward to seeing all of my fellow Osprey at, uh, at UNF Black Alumni Weekend. And without any further talking on my end, I give you my conversation with President Delaney. Now, I know it's been a very trying time over the past few months at UNF, and there's been several variety reports regarding the status of some of the racial incidents that have taken place on campus. Now, 
I know you and I spoke at that basketball game regarding uh, the young man from the Snapchat video, but I think there's a perception that among the black and brown constituency that the young man wasn't reprimanded and simply got off without penalty. With what you can disclose, can you walk me through what took place regarding the handling of the situation and elaborate on why a more extensive punishment uh, wasn't issued out? Yeah, um... Sorry, I'm still kind of fighting off a bit of a cough my whole family has had. So no, it's okay. Um, we we began uh, got copies uh, or clips uh, starting. It was one evening. I can't remember what night of the week. And so the next morning we uh, went to investigate and track down. And um, the you know I'm an old prosecutor what you tend to do first is think, what is the defense going to be? So we wanted to make sure, you know, could his Snapchat account have been hacked? Could a vindictive ex-girlfriend place something on there? Could the clip have been benign and not meant to mock a Black Lives Rally matter? Um, You know, what was the story? Mm -hmm. And so um, technically we're not allowed to discuss – uh, student disciplinary matters. Right. Um, we're, we're, even what I'm saying now, technically, we're not allowed to do mm-hmm. um, under FERPA, which is the federal privacy laws. Um, right. This thing, though, had such a high public profile, and it had been disseminated so broadly um, that that we did need to make some public statements um, as we wound our way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, essentially, the the student, and he did this publicly um, in a long interview with the Spinnaker, um, apologized, said he did not mean for it to be disseminated other than to a couple of his friends. He'd left a setting on with Snapchat that allowed Snapchat to send it to an audience that was affiliated with the rally. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody walked us through how that how that would work. But, right. Um, but you can't get around the video. The video is racist and, and, as I said, publicly dehumanizing. Um, unfortunately, it is completely protected by the First Amendment and free speech. Right. Um, you know, people are allowed to hate, and um, um, but he was very public in that he, he had learned a lesson. He knew that that video was going to follow him the rest of his life, mm-hmm. um, and he stated publicly that uh, uh, he had a ROTC scholarship that he thought the ROTC scholarship may disappear. Um and so um, he willingly, uh, when we met with him to talk it over, willingly said that he would take a uh, diversity class, um, mm-hmm. um, which he didn't actually even have to agree to do because it is protected as free speech. Um, our student code of conduct cannot take away the free speech rights of students because we're a public university. A private university can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're a lot more free to do it. Um, and so what we were kind of left with is condemn, condemning the video. I actually spoke to his mother twice. Um, she's very upset, mm-hmm. you know, and about the future for her son, this kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. and I said, well, you still can't get around that video. I mean, that was a racist video. Right. And um, um, there's just no way around that one. Um, and he recognizes that it, there's going to be consequences to that. Um, and so I put out a statement, the first part talking about free speech, mm-hmm. and the second part, um, condemning the video essentially and what, what facts we felt we could go with publicly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I I mean, I, I totally, even when you and I spoke, I totally got your point of view, I guess. And this is kind of 
this is kind of the line that you always walk. And this is the line that I have to walk sitting from the standpoint of kind of representing uh, the black and brown alumni base is that there's this perception that like more should have been done. But what I kept trying to explain to our base is that even with what we may feel like, and I think I said this to you, there, there's kind of, there's the, the legal or, or logistical position that has to be taken on this stuff. And then there's this kind of moral position that all, I think all of us with any real, real sense of humanity have as it relates to the situation, but those two things don't always necessarily line up. So that being That's said, exactly right. right. I, you know, I mentioned that I was a prosecutor, um, I had cases where I knew who did a murder or a rape, but under the law, I couldn't prove it. Right. And, you know, if you can't if you can't prove it in this case, we could not have a student conduct code. We, we, we couldn't write one that would take away his right to put out videos like that. I mean, right. simply allowed to do it. That's why. The, the government can't be in the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, um, you know, you, you've got these neo-Nazis and white supremacists that, that are allowed to have speeches at the University of Florida. It's protected under the First Amendment. And, um, um, and, th- and that was difficult to kind of communicate to the campus that mm-hmm. what we're doing what we can do. Right. to condemn it in the strongest words we can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but outlining, you know, what, what, the First Amendment does indeed protect. Um, in one of those statements, I pointed out that political speech and hate speech are among the most protected speech um, in America. Right. And um, and the the courts have described a slippery slope. If we can condemn white supremacist white supremacism, um, what else can be condemned? Well, I mean, what else can be prohibited? Right. Um, you know, speech. You know, speech from the left. All of a sudden, you start whittling it down. Right. So the courts have been very pure on that one. Um, um, either fortunately or unfortunately, the um, the next incident, which was the white supremacist and former Klan member, mm-hmm. kind of crossed the line from speech to conduct. It right. became a uh, an imminent threat, and we we are allowed to act on that. It did. All right. And to that to that point, like uh, I think his name is Ken Parker and the post that he did on Facebook. Now, you and I did speak at the game about this and uh, you made uh, some of wasn't what was I would say some uh, some of this wasn't properly reported, whether that's by the Spinnaker or the news at large. Uh, you made some of that clear to me. Can you walk me through uh, what that first hearing was actually for? To what degree uh, you can, your thoughts on the situation and where we'll be moving forward in, into 2018 regarding this particular situation? Yeah, the, the video came out on, I think it was a Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. and um, Or not the video, the... The, uh, the photo. The comments. Yeah, and the, yeah, comments the photo. And, and, and a couple dozen students um, and others forwarded it to me um, and the others um, on campus. But they were snippets, and it was it, it, it. The next morning, we called a meeting. Um, in fact, that they were sent to me before I or after I'd gone to bed, so I was asleep when they first came out. Mm-hmm. And so the next morning, we called a meeting for nine o'clock. One of our VPs was ever to was able to kind of put all of the things we were forwarded into a loose time frame mm-hmm. timeline. And um, um, and again, the first concern was was what he had there protected free speech. Um, I felt that the context of, um, you know, he, he said, 
how come you members of the SDS, the the SDS is a you know Students for Democratic Society. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a leftish group, mm-hmm. and uh, they had apparently been online or social media, um, you know, kind of poking him and cr- criticizing him. Mm-hmm. And he said the first post was, "How come you SDS?" hit some, you know, profanity. Don't confront me when I'm on campus. You only do it through social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I know why. The reason is I will take you down. Then he posted a picture of the gun, um, himself holding a gun with a Nazi swastika on his chest. Right. And somebody said, hey, man, you know, what's with the threats? And he goes, what threats? And she responded, I think it was a she, responded with, you know, reciting his conversation there and the posting. And he says, that isn't a threat, it's a promise. I felt the context of those meant that it moved into conduct. Mm-hmm. So after some, you know, a couple hours that morning, we did an immediate suspension on him to ban him from campus. Right. He's entitled to a panel hearing, in effect, two panel hearings. The first panel hearing um, is to address whether or not he should be suspended immediately, mm-hmm. or whether he should be allowed back to campus until he can have a panel hearing on the merits. Right, and that was the so that was the first one. That's the first one. That's the one you and I chatted about briefly. Mm-hmm. That particular panel is required to be made up of half students and half faculty or staff. Mm-hmm. So you could have two staff, you could have two faculty, you could have one and one. Right. Uh, but that's what it's required to be. And the panel members had to have had certain training, you know, kind of a modicum of some legal training on how this stuff would work. Mm-hmm. So that's the panel that reversed the immediate suspension. Mm-hmm. And um, in effect, I overturned that because I still felt there was a viable threat. Mm-hmm. And um, so we allowed him to continue to take classes, but online. Mm-hmm. Uh, his faculty accommodated him to complete that semester. And then over the break, um, um, he asked for another conduct hearing. And at that point, I don't know if I can really say anything more publicly at that point. Right. Um, this may take another call for you, with, with you and me maybe in, in, in a week. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but that happened a couple weeks ago. Okay. Okay. All right. So effectively, I kind of reversed that first panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he argued to that panel was that this was free speech. I'm not a threat. Um, that that was his argument to the panel, and it persuaded the four members of the panel. Okay, okay. I, I guess but that panel. What what I what I needed to really be able to convey more clearly, that panel was not UNF administrators. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was a random group, like picking a jury mm-hmm. um, from from a pool of people that have volunteered to sit on panels. And we're not allowed to cherry pick those people. Right. Um, it's just whoever kind of comes into the jury pool. And so that's what happened. Right. So to a certain degree, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm asking this question kind of halfway already knowing the answer. There might from a from a minority alumni base standpoint, it might behoove us if we want uh, our perspective kind of heard as it relates to being members of these kind of randomized hearings like this to make ourselves available uh, as a part of that hearing pool of folks, right? Correct. That, that, that's, that is a very good point. You, you've got to be, though, either an active student or a member of the staff or the faculty. Okay. But your, your point is the same, that um, African Americans, other people of color, um, it, it would be wonderful to see more of them being willing to serve on that panel. Okay. 
Okay. It would it would be as if uh, African Americans didn't volunteer to sit on jury pools. Right. And so when when somebody gets arrested and they pick the jury, that it's an all white jury, no matter no matter what, because you know no no minorities are willing to sit on that panel. So your point is a very healthy one. Okay. And we actually are going to try to encourage that. The semester doesn't really start till next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to try to encourage um, more faculty and and uh, um, African Americans, Hispanics, etc., to sit on these panels. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, President Delaney, I, I've had the esteemed honor of being the only African American male and one of two African Americans sitting on the board of directors for the Alumni Association a position I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would ever be doing. But, I mean, it's become something that I'm proud of. Now, speaking for over 840 black and brown alumni, I feel comfortable in saying to you that our constituency doesn't does feel underrepresented in the overall landscape of UNF. I think the unique cultural differences that we have relative to the majority of the alumni and current student majority has prevented the creation of an environment where we feel equally represented. What are your thoughts on that? And is there something you feel that could be done on our end to make the university and the alumni association more aware of our concerns? Yeah, the, um, I had that concern when I came to UNF. Um, and you know, my previous career was as, as mayor of Jacksonville Mm -hmm. where, um, when I initially ran, I got very few African-American votes, and mm-hmm. I woke up the day after winning and said, I can't govern this town if a quarter of the citizens don't think I represent them. So I worked very hard to do senior appointments that were African-American, um, um, reach out to the African-American community, make sure that my staff had um, solid representation from all communities. And mm-hmm. at UNF, I had the same the same desire. We've roughly doubled our African-American enrollment on mm-hmm. campus. Um, the What's now called the Black Student Union has gone under a series of different names. Yeah, African-American uh, Student Union when I was there, and now it's BSU. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's had a couple different names, but it's the same sort of purpose. So we've really increased support for that program, or for that group and programming. Uh, we've really sort of put together um, in the Office of Student Affairs um, kind of unified offices that reach out to groups that sometimes are disaffected, you know, Women's Center, Victim Center, mm-hmm. LGBT community, et cetera, to make sure that, that we're hearing the various voices. Um, our staff representation um, is very emblematic of the minority community. Mm-hmm. Um, we are low among faculty, however. Um some of that is because there's a low percentage of African-American PhDs across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have been fighting for, to get more of our share. So the percentage of African-American faculty has increased um, pretty dramatically. Um, we established a, uh, we call CODI, C-O-D-I, um, Commission on Diversity and Inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think chairing it this year is a dean of the Coggin College of Business. You know, there's five colleges five academic deans, and um, he's um, uh, African-American. And um, we've got really a couple paid staffers that are there to help with this. Mm-hmm. Um, Edith Abdullah is our dean of continuing education. She's African-American. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's co-chairing it with Mark. Um, she's done some wonderful things over the last few years to introduce 
our various academic departments into other places they can go to look for faculty of color. And that's one of the reasons there are percentages of African-American faculty have gone up. Not, not anywhere near enough, but it's been something really, your comment, I felt 14 years ago when I came to UNF that we needed to, to be a more representative university. So mm-hmm. we're 26 to 28% minority right now, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty impressive. Now, I think um, 11% of that is African-American. It's roughly half, it's, mm-hmm. so it's it's 13 to 14% okay. um, is African-American. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and our African-American students rarely transfer away. And so I think we've done two surveys of, uh, of our African-American students. Uh, we've also done surveys for the LGBT community, et cetera, to try to, you know, ascertain do they feel safe do they feel happy do they feel comfortable etc and uh ironically um the results have really been pretty good i think if we did them right now because of these two instances in the fall obviously people may feel a little bit different Mm -hmm. um but you know we've got a bunch of programming we're going to roll out again in january and february um to try to address the concern that was that was sort of in in your in your question so kind of getting to the specifics um, I think the more active with the Alumni Association, I think encouraging African-American students, staff, and faculty <clears throat> to be on those panels, uh, to be willing to be, you know, continue to be a good conscience for the university. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Nat Glover, do you remember Nat? Yeah, I, I remember. I remember him. We gave him, my fraternity gave him an award at one of our balls several years ago. Okay. Well, yeah. he um, he was sheriff when I was mayor, and mm-hmm. he became you know, like brothers, were just the closest of friends. Mm-hmm. And um, he had retired from sheriff when I stepped down from mayor and came over to UNF. Yeah, and he became and, president and, of EWC. Right. Well, prior to that, he was here at UNF for three or four years. Oh, really? In my suite here. Yeah. Okay. And one of his charges was to help us with recruiting African-Americans, primarily students, um, and to kind of be an ambassador for higher ed to lead, uh, you know, primarily minority students into college, one of the local schools. Mm-hmm. And so um, it was a great asset. And in reality, both Nat and I think God was trying to introduce him to higher ed because it made him uh, viable and credible to be president of Edward Waters College. And mm-hmm. so he's had a great run over there. He and I are stepping down the exact same day, May 31 of this year. Okay. And um, But that was a person who kind of served in that role. After he left, Edith Abdullah, um, she had been president of the downtown campus for FSCJ mm-hmm. and then a community college up in New Jersey. Okay. And so when she came to town, we kind of put her in a role. I mean, nobody can replace Nat Glover, but she brought a perspective there. And now she's one of our deans. Um, so really two of our eight deans are African-American. Um, right now, there's five colleges, and then there's actually, I need to change that, three of the nine are African-American. Mm-hmm. Um so it's very important to me um, that our African-American alums, our African-American students, staff, and faculty feel that this is home right? and, and that it's, it's a community that is being listened to. Right. Now, now to that point, um, UNF Black Alumni Weekend and those on its committee are working to create programming that gears itself uh, to the black and brown alumni base, while at the same time providing support to the current black and brown student body. 
from our literacy event at Kern and Middle during the uh, UNF Black Alumni Weekend and the campus tour we'll be doing with minority students from Ed White. We're doing the best we can to help encourage minority students that att- uh, to attend the university. Uh, what is UNF doing apart from our programming to attract more minority students to the university? Well, it's a priority of our admissions office, and um, um, and they're sort of pushed to make sure that we see our numbers go up every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, you know, as you know, admission standards now to UNF are really, really high. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons we, when we um, are, are able to land an African-American student, that we see so few transfers. I think we got up, when you got up to that 12, 13, 14 percent. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a critical mass. And mm-hmm. um, um, although all the fraternities and sororities are integrated, you know, to one degree or another. And mm-hmm. so I think there's a lot of a lot of activity that crosses the races. But um, mm-hmm. um, but yes, recruiting students. I mean, it's a um, that, that would be if there was one area, that would be the one area I would say to please help on. Um, but similarly, we need to do more with, with you know, staff and faculty. So uh, I describe some of this as there's not there's not one battle. It's a broad front war, and you've got to right. do a lot of different things to win it. Right. Um, right. Now, I, I do notice, uh, to that point, I, I heard you bring up kind of a fraternity and sorority life. And, again, this is another thing that Jennifer, Jennifer has made sure – to provide your communication down to me and I've brought it down to the base, but can you elaborate on the current situation and the current status of, uh, of Greek life at UNF? Because there was reports that came out that, uh, Greek life was suspended and that you had, you had shut down Greek life. And, uh, it seemed like a lot of people had really bad information. Can you kind of clear that up for everyone? Well, the media didn't help us on this one. Um, uh, what, what happened is the president of the IFC, the president of Panhellenic, there was the president of our multicultural Greek organizations, mm-hmm. and then there was a, one other kind of umbrella group. This is probably us, the MPHC, National Panhellenic Council for the Black Fraternities and Sororities. Gosh, I know that probably is it. There mm-hmm. was four. Mm-hmm. They they were recently elected and so the four of them met and decided that they had the authority to stop social activities at the at all greek organizations and they announced it also at night um you know i read it the next morning go what the heck is that they don't have the authority to do that Mm -hmm. they were very noble because what they really were worried about is alcohol and drug use at some of the chapters Mm -hmm. and um and some was beyond rumors. You know, it was seeing kids drunk, passed out, throwing up, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And um, so we put out a statement that day. They did not mean to ban all social activity or ban rush. What they meant was to ban alcohol at Greek functions um, until the end of January, until they could all get together. Uh, they had an emergency meeting I think this actually was a Monday night. I met with them on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. They met with each respective organization that Thursday and got a lot of pushback. Right. So in our announcement, I said that this group did not have the authority to spend Greek activity. Um, and Greek activity has not been suspended. But all the headlines 
got kind of what the students put out that night. Mm-hmm. So it was a bizarre sort of twist, but we've made clear to the Greek organizations that their activities have not been suspended. And, you know, what? What even if one or two or three or four are behaving badly, why do you shut down the other 20, right. you know, if, if they haven't? And um, so it was just, and it was a funny thing that the media took off and ran and just hasn't seen really the desire to correct. Right, exactly. It just, it was one of those things that, uh, and it, that's a challenge that I think I, I face a lot um, because I, I, I try not to take the position as any sort of leader. I mean, there's, there's a committee of us that kind of do this UNF Black Alumni Weekend thing together. And so, but I guess, uh, you know, because I kind of transmit out a lot of the communication because I'm on the board of directors with the Alumni Association, it seems like I'm kind of like the one in charge. So oftentimes what ends up happening is in our Facebook groups and things like that, these kind of things happen and those kind of reports come out and man, they, they post those links and they tag me right in them and they go, so Brandon, what are you doing to fix this? And I'm like, <laughs> you're right. It's, it's, and, and, I, I, and I met with that group the next day and mm-hmm. I will, the, the, you know, the four, their motives were really good. Mm-hmm. And the Florida state president, um, yeah. you know, they, they had a death there recently at yeah. Florida state. Yep. And so he did suspend everything. Right. And he had just met with the Greeks like two or three weeks earlier and said, you all have got to get your arms around this alcohol problem. Right. And um, and he said he got no help from them at all. So here we have the exact opposite. Um, we have the leadership saying we really want to get our arms around the alcohol and drug problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, the president of Florida State would kill to have that attitude. But the, the group didn't have that authority. Right. And they also didn't have what I called a triggering event. There wasn't something that would prompt this to happen. It was just they thought it would be a good idea. And, and to be candid, I, I think our staff work wasn't that good there. I think our staff, they, 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 they kind of fell in love with the fact that they – had really good motivations and, and sort of forgot that that group didn't have the authority. So, right. Um, okay. Okay. Now I, I guess the, the next big question is how can we as minority alumni go about having our voices heard uh, where, and where should we go about communicating the concerns that we have? Would our voices be, uh, you know, would they be heard in a, in a more attractive way if we were more active donors is, how, how can we go about being engaged in such a way to where, you know, people like yourself and leadership at, at the university know, hey, you know, uh, these particular alum of, of, you know, the black and brown constituency really have, are enthused and interested in addressing the concerns of the community that they represent while at the same time representing the University of North Florida. What's the best way for us to go about making those steps forward from your perspective? I would say let's just meet. Mm-hmm. Let's just plan on meeting. You know, and, and if you want to meet once a quarter or you meet twice a year, um, you know, if you're meeting in Jacksonville or gathering in a, in a formal way, mm-hmm. you know, invite whoever is the president. And, you know, as long as things are there, you, you, yours is a voice that, that I would really want to hear, and, I, and I'm certain that my successor would as well. So. Um, why don't we just start at the top? Right. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and, and to that end, so I don't hold you up anymore and I go ahead and let you go. I know that you're leaving at the end of this school year. Any major plans after you're leaving the university? Will you still be involved? And if so, in what way? And who's replacing you? And do we have that? Has that decision been made yet? And if so, uh, how do we go about reaching out to that person? 
Yeah, the um, at, at a university, the, the the search process takes six to fifteen months Whew. in a normal normal go, right. and um, the chair of the board has appointed a search committee, mm-hmm. um, which which is representative. It's got students, it's got alums, it's got community people, it's got three members of the board, right? It's got a faculty rep, etc. And I think it's 15 members. I think is it's it's can't be any bigger or smaller than that. It has to be 15. Mm-hmm. And um, and so they actually hope to within the next month uh, come up with a finalist to send to the board, where the board would then select in February and refer to the state board of governors in March. And um, that individual hopefully would start in June. Okay. Um, sometimes sometimes July, and then we have a an acting president that would serve in the interim. So um, during that search process, the candidates are brought to campus typically twice for a day and a half um, long round of interviews. And so there'll be um, a block of time for alums to be able to ask questions, a block of time for students to ask questions, a block of time for staff. Um, The vice presidents meet with them. I meet with them. So they kind of do, it's kind of a death march because every hour they just move to sit in front of another group and get all the questions asked of them. So um, those are open. Uh, you know, the ones that, you know, the alumni group would be open, and so you're certainly welcome to come in. And then what we do is there's a form that everybody in attendance fills out. Mm-hmm. They kind of grade the, the candidate and make observations on it, and those are then compiled, and the search committee looks over those, and the board will do the same thing. Okay, okay. Great. Well, uh, so uh, you, you can really look on the web page. There's a, there's a link to the search itself, the search process, and it shows all the steps and where the opportunity for input would be, you know, would be available. Right. Okay. Great. So, um, I'm, you know, I'm definitely going to continue to be involved and be engaged. It's a part of my, my responsibilities for the, the board of directors for the alumni association, but president Delaney, again, I want to just take this moment to to say thank you, mainly because I know you probably don't remember, but many, 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 many years ago, um, when you were still mayor and I was a uh, fledgling student at First Coast High School, uh, John Larson had us uh, come up, uh, come up to City Hall and we sang and you were tremendously kind and gracious to us. And, um, you know, just uh, even since then and recently when you and I spoke, um, you know, you shook my hand and, and you were very candid with me about some of your feelings as it relates to all of this. So I, I wanted to kind of take an opportunity to just sit down and chat with you briefly and pass this information on to the, the black and brown alumni base, because I want them to know what what I've seen as far as, you know, who you are as a man and as a person and as a president. And, you know, everybody isn't going to agree with every decision that you make or every position that you take and all that kind of stuff. But I, I do want to say thank you for the work that you have done as president of this great university. And, you know, we wouldn't be where we are as a university had you not stepped in and done all of the things that you've done from all the buildings that we now have to the increase in the in the minority uh, the minority base at the University of North Florida, um, the student engagement and just the overall involvement. Um, we didn't get a football team in your tenure, but you know, <laughs> who knows what the future holds? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that may not be it. Well, I really appreciate your con. I do remember that. that mm-hmm. That's funny. I do remember that because that didn't happen very often, where mm-hmm. where a, a group of students would be able to get 
you know, get to come up and, and to sing. So I remember that incident. And, and uh, when I was mayor, um, it was kind of a transformative time for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I spent the first year, every other weekend, I went to a black church in Jacksonville. And then Nat Glover and I developed a close relationship. And, um, and, and what I was hearing was, you know, every mayor comes in and says, okay, we're going to appoint, you know, African-Americans to positions. But they're often in soft positions, or the, you know, the social service things, mm-hmm. which I think are fine and important in and of themselves. But they say, not the ones with the big budgets, not the one with the big numbers of people that were hired. Mm-hmm. So the two biggest ones, departments we had were the fire department, which had never had a black chief, not mm-hmm. once in the hundred and something year history of the city. Right. Um, and, um, and then uh, solid waste, which is, you know, it, it's garbage collection, but it's a big budget because you're... Like, you're right. doing a lot of work. You got a right. big department, right. and um, the general counsel for the city, um, before and since, has never been an African American. I appointed the first African American there, Fred Franklin, who is uh, now on this board and is also one of my closest friends. And and um, so I really was making a statement, and we did a, a a bunch of different things down the years to reach out to the African American community. And when I left office, my favorability in the African American community was in the '80s. And I'm a Republican. Yep. Um, and so it's it's really been important to me, and that's why it's unfortunate that um, in one case a 10-second Snapchat video and in another case the personal and private beliefs of a white supremacist have sort of been attached to UNF because I don't guess what this university is, and it certainly hasn't been – uh, the way I've tried to preside over it, and you know, when we look at the doubling of the student enrollment that is of color, uh, the doubling of the number of African American students, um, the increase in the number of scholarships, you know, money that we've raised, um, the programming we've tried to do, the big support for the Black Student Union, surveying minority students to try to get input over what we need, and um, and really on that list should have been regular communications with. The group that you chair, mm-hmm. and um, and so why, why don't we try to get get that in place so that when a new president comes in, that they'll be kind of forced to continue it as well. Right. Well, I, I the the weird thing about all of this, to be fair, as far as communication with us is, is that this didn't exist two years ago, and it it it, it is just now developing itself into a real official thing. Because again, this whole conversation, and, and to that end, and then we can close. Um, this all came out of a conversation that uh, black Greeks were having on Facebook about how we go about, uh, you know, redeveloping our chapters at the university because our numbers are significantly low. They hadn't been where we wanted them to be. And that conversation went into a private uh, group chat, which eventually evolved into let's do some programming that, you know, gears itself more towards the black and brown alumni base to get them to come back and participate. And then in doing so, uh, I have to give a lot of props to Shanette Sparks, who played basketball at UNF, who is now on the board of directors for the Alumni Association. She communicated with Jennifer um, over at the Alumni Association. And in doing so, that that created this whole situation that we that we have now. Um, it. it it's cre- it was created out of, a, I guess, a need or a desire to, you know, really have programming that was geared towards our base. And Jennifer has been so tremendously engaging in, in the fact that we do do our programming right in line with Homecoming. But we try to tie some of their events uh, from the Homecoming standpoint into what we do. 
Um, and and in turn, ultimately, what we're doing is we're getting students to come back to the school and participate in one fashion or another. We're not getting so caught up in, oh, they've got to come to my event or they've got to come to this event. As long as we're getting everybody back, that plays a huge role. Additionally, and we I, should be, I mean, sounds like sounds like our staff is working with you on it, but I, I think it's just tremendous. Right. When I first heard about it and and but we should have done more to reach out to you. But right. but. Well, you've been a gentleman about all this, and, and let, 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 let's keep talking. And, we we uh, definitely will. Hopefully, we can meet maybe at the uh, at homecoming. Yeah, we'll definitely meet at homecoming. You can. I'll come up to the front where the uh, where the homecoming tent is, as long as you promise me you'll come out to lot eighteen where we're at and get some chicken and some and some ribs. <laughs> sounds great. That sounds great. You you, you had me at barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, President Delaney. All righty, take care, Brandon.